Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the No Chill Podcast, we take a trip back to the early 2000s. In the early days of the internet and online media, a young Agent Zero became a blog sensation. His writer, current NBA beat reporter, New York Times bestselling author, and NBA on ESPN personality, Dave McMenamin. Back then, a young journalist on the rise, Dave was connected with Gil in D.C. to submit some entries to NBA.com. What they got back was a whole lot more than expected. It was then that Gil discovered the power of the media and how to get his message out there and to connect with fans to relay his perspective of the game and the world around it. Really, that takes us to today. With his playing days behind him, Gil has stayed connected with his fans. Definitely, he knows how to deliver in interviews and in appearances and on shows and, of course, his podcast. But it had to start somewhere. And as we're seeing with the modern athlete, the use of the media and on their own platforms to engage and communicate is a powerful thing. It's something that must be first learned about how it works and then how to apply your own voice and your own style. Once again, Agent Zero is blazing a trail. It's the No Chill Podcast, a throwback edition, if you will, back to the future with Dave. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's out on all platforms, including the No Chill channel on YouTube. And don't forget No Chill with Gilbert Arenas every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Fubo Sports Network. It's No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. I'm Mike Botticella right over there. Gilbert Arenas. What's up? Today, Gil. <laughs> thanks for saying what's up. What's up? <laughs> Today, Gil, we have, we flipped the script on you. We have two guys from the East Coast, That's two right. white guys, two media guys. <laughs> the tables have turned. We have Dave McMenamin here from ESPN. Mm-hmm. And for the people that don't know, you guys go way back. And we're going to get into that for a second. But thanks for joining we us. We may today. be the two white guys who have spoken to you more than any other white guys in your life, possibly. Actually, that might be yeah. fact. That's a fact. All hours for sometimes a long <laughs> right. time. You got to right. put the phone down and come back. He's still talking. <laughs> so so that's that's the great part of this. This all comes back together. Um, they, this For you guys, it all started. You were a pioneer, Gil. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, we know that. With a blog. Well, we wasn't first, though, right? Well, no. So that's so. what happened was back in the 2005, 2006 season, mm-hmm. the NBA was using a platform called the blog. But it wasn't really a blog. They, were, they chose like five, six players a year that they thought they would have team cooperation from the PR staff to get regular interviews and also players they wanted to promote. So mm-hmm. like back then... Chris Kamen on the Clippers, Marcus Camby on the Nuggets. Um, I think there were some others who came and went, but Gilbert, you know, was kind of selected by Zach Bolno of the Wizards mm-hmm. and also League, the League office thought he'd be someone good to promote. He came over from the Warriors and make some noise on the court, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, getting buckets. And uh, I was fresh with NBA.com. It was a year out of college. And it was like, oh, we got a young guy in Gilbert. You're young. Yeah, how about you do it? Um, and okay, so the NBA.com offices were in Chicago, New Jersey, and 
they said, how about, you know, rather than do it over the phone, which was the scheduled plan, and, you know, Zach Bolton would hold you hand over his razor, <laughs> yeah, yeah, razor phone, you know, yeah. uh, it threw me on the Amtrak and went down to D.C. for the day, and we met in, like, the Players' Lounge uh -huh. at, at uh, what the Verizon Center back then. And, uh, you know, we were supposed to get 10 minutes. We got about 30 minutes, mm -hmm. and I don't know. It just kind of kind of worked. We were two guys away talking to who? Yeah, it was funny. It started off as what? Was it a diary? It's supposed to be like a diary, right? Yeah, it, it was, was like, like kind of an as told to type <laughs> yeah, yeah, of thing, yeah. right? Um, and then, you know, this was, it was the convergence of, you know, uh, so much content being put on the internet at the time. Mm -hmm. It was, this is pre-Twitter. This is um, pre-Instagram. So it was kind of the time where the, more than the athlete, more you than know, athlete was it was, in, was yep. kicking in. With that before being labeled that by LeBron James, it was you know, the player empowerment movement starting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it kind of a couple things worked. Namely, what worked was your performance on the court. You were electric yeah. back then, um, you know, and then your ability to take us inside to all those moments. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Such a good idea. Also, though, I don't know if they knew what they were going to unleash. <laughs> no, it was what, what made it popular was because you get the inside of that week of everything I was doing on the court, which our style gave them what was really going on yeah. versus interview interviews yeah. during the after the game on a loss or something where, you know, you're just getting my my response with no thought yeah. right then there. You know, a week goes by and then those questions come I get to really put some some time into them and make them funny put the humor in it cleans it up you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. a lot of cleanup <laughs> a lot of cleaning up <laughs> and also yeah this is the NBA property this is right. not just yeah yeah you know, so when it was like man NBA. you're funny I was like it's, it's, it's kind of not, it it not me someone has to clean that all up and yeah Put a style on it too. And even guys like, you know, Dave, you know, this like Chris Kamen, we could say this respectfully. He's not as cool or as, he's a, you got to break that down a little bit. That's as on the media side, I think that happens where, you know, like, uh, he's not going to be a great interview. He's not going to give me a good soundbite because they're just stiff personality. So you want that personality too. It also gave us like uh, really no structure or rules, you know, like even back then, even in the internet content culture, like, you know, you're keeping an article to 800 words, maybe a thousand words, depending on on the in-depth nature of it. Sometimes we do a blog post where we talk literally for two and a half hours, and we would run 2,500 words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it didn't matter because the audience came to appreciate. You know, one one week maybe it'd be you doing a top 10 list of point guards from the, the 80s or something like that, mm -hmm. whatever was on your mind. Yeah. And then, yeah, then literally the next week it could be a in-depth talk about, um, you know, what it means to be a point guard. I remember mm -hmm. that one you were very passionate about <laughs> because you you felt like no one really understood what the, the position required. Mm -hmm. And it's funny about looking back at that now is like <laughs> we were on the forefront of the three-point, the space mm -hmm. um, movement, and, and you were one of the guys recognizing like – 
hey, no disrespect to John Stockton, like, but like he was the archetype for so many basketball fans for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to recognize there's a shift happening here. Wait, you said no disrespect to No, 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 I, I, no, no. he, I, see, I, that was me. See, that was, me. see that's where the see, cleanup <laughs> comes in from. Cause yeah, right. I would say the real. Right, <laughs> right. And then, right. And then he cleans it up. It makes me look good. Right, right. So I, somebody's gotta do it. It makes me not look so rude without saying it. Because that's what it was, it was, and, you know, I don't think anybody, you know, you you watch how I played and you you listen to the outlandish stuff, you know, I would say for attention sure. and no one understood the details of some of the things I was thinking about or talking about and doing the research on point guards mm -hmm. and understanding that the Steve Nash or John Stockton, this mode didn't win championships. Right. You know, it was offset by, you know, someone they didn't understand. And that understanding was Magic Johnson. Right, right. You didn't understand that's a freak of nature. You know, a six, nine, yeah. you know, three, one, two, what, whatever he wanted to be, you didn't understand it. Right. Jump center in the finals. Game. Yeah, you yeah. just you just said, oh, he's making everyone better. He's a point guard, because that's what the point guards do. Right. And you labeled a uh, a player. <laughs> you you labeled an actual player you and that's what happens you label like LeBron you're you labeled a player LeBron plays whatever LeBron wants to play mm -hmm. one two three like like this year they're like oh yeah he's a point guard this year well he he's led his team in assists every year he's played yes. so technically he's been the point guard his whole career right, right. like you're just giving him the label now right. you know and when 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 you know, when I was saying it, people didn't understand it. Right. You didn't understand, like, you know, I'm the new mode. I'm I'm what you want. I, uh, 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 I'm just a tool. I'm a, a weapon. <laughs> but it was so much newness. It was is not only like you playing this new style or this this style that was becoming, you know, really what it's been the league the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. But it was you. It was first of all people going to YouTube to watch clips more often than they ever had. Mm -hmm. It was people hearing your voice mostly unfiltered mm -hmm. on the blog and that just didn't exist before and for that to come from the nba itself in, the, in their digital property which is pretty cool because you would think a, a outlier media company would say like we want to get inside with players and like make a name for yeah. ourselves make a splash but the league actually did that which tells me they know how to market they want to promote well, their players but it wasn't it wasn't I think it was one of those things where it was like a tester because if you look at the guys they had, right. it 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 was five of us, four bland. It was like just no, like it, it, it was it, like it, a young buck. No, it was just four bland person. It was I think Dunleavy was one of yeah, them. Dunleavy. It was just, it was four bland right. person because I think they were testing it out. Right. But and, I think also it was you took the interest in it, yeah. you know, because it again it was scheduled to be like. Once every couple weeks, mm -hmm. you know, Dave from your office in Secaucus, email the Wizards <laughs> PR guy. He'll find five minutes after practice to mm -hmm. hang Gilbert a phone. Um, no, no disrespect to Zach because he did a great job. I liked working with him. But we kind of cut out the middleman. We mm -hmm. exchanged numbers. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, we don't, we could do three in a week. We could do it at yep. midnight after a game. And what, you know, traditionally, I think we'll get into that locker room environment, which is a whole nother thing, yeah. post game and what have you. But what, what outlets really want is access and exclusivity. So it's like, if I'm gonna get you, I'd much rather you at home, you know, in, in an environment where you're not thinking about basketball, you're sort of off the clock, and then you're gonna be way more easier to deal with. 
versus like right after a game. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> you right. know, like let's do this on a day that I'm, <laughs> I'm available. And guys are much more willing to to participate. I mean, some kind, some, some guys, guys are. I think you saw, um, you know, one the influence of the blog. I remember there was like there was some day where I, I wish I remember what we talked about. Maybe it was something about you wanted to get back at the USA coaches for you not making the team, right? So I think we put that in the blog for the first time. Yeah, yeah. and oh. then and then. You know, it goes up on the internet, and then sometimes you just don't, don't know where that's going to go, right? Yeah. And a couple hours later, it's one of the first topics on PTI. <laughs> yeah. And you recognize, like, I can program PTI. Yeah. You know, I can change what people you, are watching on TV. So that you remember what what happened that blog, right? You remember that happened that conversation when I called you ranting? Yeah. Rant, I ranted. Yeah. It was a fucking rant. And I was and I said <laughs> that the way he's coaching, they will not win gold. Yes. I remember I said that. They yes. would not win gold yeah. the way he's coaching. He has the all the shooters on the bench and 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 he has all the drivers and slashers on one team. It's not a combo. So they're all it's a clash. And I said, they're not gonna win gold. I and then I called you and said, you know what? Just, yeah. just take that out. I don't want, I don't want those problems. Right. And then you hear me say, yo, they lost. <laughs> yeah, they lost to Greece. Yeah, they lost to Greece. But yeah. I told, I, I said, yo. Right. And then our post went up. And it was like right before, like right before you was going to post it. I yeah. said, just take that part right. out. Right. And you posted it and yeah. did that. Right. And then, right. and then, it, and then they lost. Yeah. It was it was one of those things yeah. where I was like, no, you're right. yeah, I don't I don't want those right. problems. Just take it out. I don't want people just. Was there? I mean, maybe that was it. But was there ever an entry where like, man, I don't know if we could put this one out or never did see the. Well, the one I think I've, I've I've shared this before, but the one that is like the classic story was so I you know I, I basically had my dream job. I'm covering the NBA, a couple years out of college, working with like one of the most exciting scorers in the game at the time, and you know Gilbert. I don't, I don't. I have a pretty irreverent sense of humor. Like Larry David's my idol, so like I, nothing's really gonna phase me. <laughs> uh, you know, so Gilbert's antics, I found the humor in it. But you know, you had teammate Andre Blotch, and he was one of the guys you like to, you know, needle. <laughs> and you know, whether that was taking a some sort of razor to cut the back of his uniform so his Changes name reads name. Andre Bitch, yeah, yeah, or taking out the sole of his shoe and defecating in the shoe. I thought you didn't defecate and you found you okay. picked up defecation. Uh -huh. so put yeah. picked up defecation. Yeah, that's <laughs> important detail. Yeah, yeah, Very important detail. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I think this is you know, one of the. This is like a story you read about, like you know, the ABA in the '70s or something mm -hmm. like that. So I'm like, this is like this 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 is like this is great behind the scenes stuff. And you know, you wanted to get it in there because I think you wanted to kind of like haze the rookie a little mm -hmm. bit more. You know, have Andre be known that he was a guy that <laughs> had to go through this. But my bosses are looking at me like I have three heads. Like, you're really, you're really trying to die on this hill that you want to invest on NBA.com, <laughs> yeah. write about a player in a shoe. And, and like, I had to check myself that, you know, your humor isn't for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and what's so funny is, and then that became a story that everyone wanted to write about. Right, right. It was just one of those things that, oh, we're gonna, that's what happened. Let me be the first one to write about it. I'm right. like, mm. yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it came out it came, yeah, it came out later, anyway, not anyway. on the blog. Yeah. yeah you right. stole our stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stole That's our right. information. Right. Like that, you know, and I think I was consciously leaving out information for media just for the blog. It just I think I I, I think I sensed that 
Sorry, the blog Michael, was sorry, Michael me. Lee. Sorry, Ivan yeah. Carter. <laughs> and I think I think I thought back then the blog was helping the exposure because everyone got to read it yeah. versus just Washingtonians. Right. You know, me right. doing an interview for, you know, Michael Lee and them. Right. Mike Wise and Mike Wise, yeah. Dan Steinberg, all yeah. those guys. Yeah. It's not easy when you're a pioneer. <laughs> you got to blaze a trail. But Dave, for you. After that, those days, that chapter, I mean, things kind of skyrocketed. Um, and, and I guess we can catch people up on your career. So yeah. came from Syracuse. Yep. It is, the, we're going to call it the, the Duke of Media Programs in college, the elite. It is the elite. If you want to work I mean, journalism. It's also Duke, yeah. a pretty elite I mean, uh, program Syracuse, as well. Yeah. I mean, top 10 all-time wins. Wait, wait, Syracuse pushes out a lot of media? I mean, yeah, if you have, I mean, you could probably run I mean, down. Are you Bob, yeah, Cost, Bob Costas. Uh, I mean, we Damn, I'm screwing Mike, Mike Tirico. Yeah, Mike Tirico. Dick Stockton. Oh, okay. And uh, so, so. Dave, of course. Nick Friedel, Pete Thamel. We, we, got, we got some we folks some, out in the folks. field. Okay, yeah, okay. exactly. So it made sense. He was a young guy, new on the scene. NBA scoops him up. I and Eagle. Noah Eagle. Come on. You got to know this stuff. Like, I, you, know, you would tell me about, like, you know, the, the most obscure fact about I know, right? <laughs> how stuff is manufactured in Tibet, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, now that you have a blog, you can learn. <laughs> now I got to go, yeah, yeah. do yeah, my research exactly. in history. Right. He's, he's West Coast biased. So yeah, uh, that's one thing might not know. But, and I don't know about programs, Syracuse basketball program, all time. That's, that's an orange man uh, I defending mean, the program on, a little man. too hard. I, I, how many 20 win seasons do we have? Hall Fame coach, yeah, 2003. I, I got a ring back home. <laughs> so you were, you were, yeah. So you were working for the team. Yeah, I was a manager the for the team. I was like a you know bench player on my high school team. Um, you know, best part about college, you got all this free time, and so I was playing like all the time, and I got to know some of the guys on the team. Back then, I'm not like I have a pretty good shot, but I, I've never like a great basketball player or anything like that. But um, yeah, back then they only had two walk-ons on the team. Um, years later. Walk-on's GPA counted for the team GPA. Uh -huh. So Mike Hopkins, our assistant coach, who's now the head coach of Washington, he's a LA guy too, uh, Matter Day High School. Uh, he he tells me, oh, you, if you went to school five years later, you would have been a walk-on all four years. Like, You're killing me. That's the <laughs> worst thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the best thing and the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, but yeah, so like you know, I I I tried out for the team my freshman year, didn't make it. Um, the one of our assistant coaches invited me on to stay as a manager, and so. To me, it was the best thing. I'm in the gym every day, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, doing some practice drills with guys and you know, came in the same time as Akeem Warwick, who was a Philly kid. And so I got to see his progression. He ended up having an eight, nine year in, career in the NBA. My sophomore year, Carmelo comes in. We win the championship. Um, and it was cool because from an early age, I, the sports media thing was, was something, you know, I, was, I started writing for newspapers. I was 14. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to do that. That's why I went to Syracuse. But then I was able to see like the athlete perspective when the Syracuse post-standard newspaper reporters came into the locker room. And I'd see the interview and then I'd see the players talk because I I was in the locker room the whole time. Mm -hmm. pre I was with the team, not with the media. So I'd see how the players would react to certain media members and their approach. And um, I think it wasn't like I was taking notes, but I think that kind of helped me just recognize like – uh, you're kind of, if you're an athlete, especially a big time athlete who has attention on you from the time you're 14, like so many people are bringing so much stuff at you all the time. Mm -hmm. So you got to be really intentional about 
what you do in order to, to make an impact. And you know, some people do that by being bombastic or whatever. I just tried to be like, be as prepared as possible, know what I'm talking about, be confident enough to, if a player was to challenge my line of questioning or thought process, to not like shrink and not be able to accept a back and forth. Mm-hmm. And most of the guys I would have a back and forth with are the guys I had the best relationships with. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you end up, because you, you recognize like, okay, now we've broken past athlete and reporter, like you're a dude, I'm a dude. Let's have a conversation mm-hmm. versus let's have an interview. Mm-hmm. So, And that's where you said it's relationships. Yeah. Because especially when you're, well, so then uh, when you got in with ESPN, yeah. you were covering traditional beat. Like yeah, that, that yeah. Kind of so yeah, which I, I hadn't really done. I, I was really fortunate enough to start at ESPN having had that kind of unconventional time at uh, NBA.com. At NBA.com, I was writing features and, we did the we did the blog together. I did the rookie rankings, um, but I wasn't doing the day to day practice grind. And um, you know, ESPN hired me to be the Lakers beat writer, and I come into a team that is Phil Jackson as a head coach. I literally had posters of him on my wall with the Chicago <laughs> Bulls team mm-hmm. thing. Kobe Bryant is a star player. He Kobe went to the rival high school of my high school, so I saw Kobe play from the time I was in like seventh grade, and he's mm-hmm. uh, a junior in high school. So, and also like he was someone as I was trying to become a player, like that was, that's who I wanted to play. Like, like, you know, Um, so you have these figures that are like in your imagination growing up and then you're dealing with them on a day-to-day basis and you're trying to corroborate what you think they should be based on what you've seen from the media Mm -hmm. to what they actually are. And, and sometimes being encouraged and surprised for the good from that, but also sometimes being like, man, like. It yeah. kind of sucks. I wish I didn't know you were like that. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying that on Phil or Kobe specifically. I'm just like any of these guys, you know, because I was like, one of the reasons Gilbert and I get along is like, I think we were both just as obsessed about the NBA growing mm-hmm. up. So, you know, when, when that comes to life, um, there's magic to it, but sometimes disappointment. But that, the life of a beat writer and that role as a player, it's a funny thing because these guys are around you all the time. It's a familiar thing. And there are times like you want to talk to them. There are times you want to just be left alone. What were you thinking when these guys come through? Like, how do you handle the media in that sense if they're the regular guys versus like the one day it's a big time, big production? Um, I remember. Uh, so with me in high school, I was I was shy. So you know, um, and I was like kind of sh- you know shy when they was like, oh, we're gonna do interviews. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't. Right. Like, <laughs> coach, you do that. You do that. I just want to play. Right. And then, you know, once you got, once I got to Arizona, you know, and media's coming in. And I remember, I remember my first, it was like one of my first interviews and, in, you know, in the locker room. And it was like, uh, <laughs> where did you, he- what did you hear about? Like, what do you think about IUPUI? Right. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, my, um, Jason, Jason said they're from Indiana and they suck like shit. <laughs> Like, so we should just beat the hell out of them. And that was my answer. And it was like, which is like gold to any <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then that became like this thing. Right. And yeah, yeah, we ended up beating the shit yeah, out of them. Yeah, but right. it was like, yeah, you know, you that's that's fuel for their team. You can't do that. Right. It's like fuel. If they suck, they suck. What do you gotta right? Like, how hard can a sorry team play? Is that's true. you know, right. okay, we don't supposed to beat them by 50, we beat them by 48. Okay. <laughs> Cool. You know, and, and that was my, you know, so then I just started watching, listening to other players yeah. and then, you know, you know, trying to figure out how it all works. What are they looking for? You know, what are, what are the traps here? What are, yeah. And then, you know, so when I got to go to the state, same thing, you know, my first interview, I'm 
I'm gonna be starting by the middle of the season. This is, and I'm just going. Yeah. And then I had to learn, you know, the process, and then learn who did what, who wanted to write what. Yeah. Like who was the antagonizer? Right. Who was trying to get a clean story? Who was trying to get the sound right. bites? Right. And then you know, once I realized what everyone was. Yeah. yeah. It was fair game. Yeah. Now yeah. I know, okay, Dave is serious, so I can't really joke with Dave, you know. Right, and right. then this guy loves jokes. Right, get, right. Get, he wants this. So, sure. you know, I never really had bad, you know, there was really no no one I didn't like. Yeah. Because I already studied, you know, who everyone was. So right. it was, it wasn't, I wasn't one of those guys, oh, this man. And then when he come in here, I, you know, I'm giving him something, which he doesn't care, he gets it anyway. <laughs> you know, so instead of that, I just really learned who everyone was, what they wrote, who's you know, read, okay, this person said this, right. all right. You know, someone says, okay, off the record. Okay, when he said that to this person, was it really off the record? Sure. You know, who can you trust, who you can't? Yeah, yeah. I remember, though, there was, and this made me know that, like, the DC press, you had a good relationship with them. Because there was one game where you kind of went off about, like, you guys don't work that hard. Like, I work hard. <laughs> and you were, you were talking about, you know, like, you don't recognize, like, you see me at the game at a shoot round, but, like, I'm getting up shots afterwards and I'm, you know, I'm doing the weightlifting stuff and you're like, you guys come and you write about the game. And I'm like, no one like took offense to that. <laughs> I was like, one, there's two things going on here. Either like, you're just so affable and funny that like, it's all good. Or like, maybe they weren't working hard enough. Cause I feel like I work pretty hard to do this job the right way. Um, but I think that's, that's, I appreciated that you did understand that um, because it, you know, I'm not looking to really be friends with the guys I cover, like out friendly, you know, mm -hmm. I want, I want to have a respectful relationship, but I have my friends, I have my family, you know, like some guys I like more than others, but I don't want them to ever, an athlete to feel like I'm trying to like wedge myself into your life. I just want to be in the time we have a chance to interact, let's be real and let's understand why we're here. Um, you know, I do have a job to do. I understand you have a job to do. Let's both do our job and, and I'm going to be around. And if I do something you don't like, like I'll be there. So you can, you can approach me, tell me to my face and we can move on like adults. And I've had, I've had times where a player I covered didn't talk to me for months, you know, but that same player, and I, I won't say his name, but that same player I saw, you know, after Kobe Bryant died and we, we hugged like a real hug, you know, and, and, and um, you know, I think, it's relationships. You know, so funny, I, I, and I, I tell, I tell, like, if I, if I get a chance to tell kids or just players, like, listen, everyone has a job to do. Yeah. You know, and if you, like, you got to remember, I said, you know, from the media side, part, they're studying you. That's what their job is, to get to know who you are. Yeah. Your job is to do the same thing since you're interacting with them yep. all the time. Yep. So instead of saying, well, he wrote this bad about me, I don't want to talk to him for a month. Right. What did you do? What did he write? Right. Is it true right. or sure. not? <laughs> you know, because yeah, exactly. like, you can clean that yeah. up. Like that's what I said, like you have people who they, like I said, like, listen, reporters have their favorites, they have their worst. Like, but you got to remember, they are sports fans, period, because they're they're doing this job as this. So they are fans, period. Sure. Yeah, they have their favorites where, right. like, you know, if you grew up on Michael Jordan and right, you're right. writing for the Bulls, you're never going to say anything bad about Michael Jordan because that is your favorite <laughs> player. Right. You know what I mean? So that's an advantage. You just got to know the advantages you have and use them to your ability and not. Right. Like, and you should recognize, like, okay, you've probably had a teammate, right, as a basketball player at some time in your life that... They made 
the wrong play because they were selfish or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, like those other guys, they made the wrong play because they didn't read it right or they just didn't have the ability to make that play. Same thing with media guys. Mm-hmm. There's still some media guys who purposely are trying to push the needle, have an agenda, get gotcha type quotes yeah. out of their guys. There are media guys who publish stuff that's inaccurate, which is the worst thing you do in this business. But there's people sometimes who publish stuff that's inaccurate because they're taken advantage by sources. Mm-hmm. The same way a player could be mistreated by a front office member or an agent, guess what? That happens with the media too sometimes. And so if you recognize that like we're all in this like highly charged competitive environment, uh, if, if people are in it for the right reasons, now this is my definition of the right reasons, is to tell stories that celebrate the game and offer an insight you can't find otherwise, you know, that should be something that, that, that would be benefit to the player if, if the player actually loves basketball. Because I, I think the guys I haven't got along with, I feel like weren't really in it for basketball. And then you call them out on it and yeah, they get mad. Right, they get mad. You know, yeah. and, and, and I, I remember one time, <laughs> I'm one time, because, you know, I'm the jokester. I'm the yeah. jokester. So I have fun with all the, you know, the reporters. And I remember one, 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 one guy came in and he was like, um, yeah, you know, sources are saying that, you know, players are um they're they're upset that you're uh you're you're shooting the ball a little bit too much okay. and i was like the sources or you mean him because <laughs> you can tell him yeah, yeah, i ain't giving right, him right, shit right. he ain't getting the ball right. you know what right. he ain't getting the ball for the next three games right. how about that right. write that in the right. article right. and it was so funny none of it even came out he didn't write nothing about right. it because that was his anger. I'm like, sure. you tell him he ain't getting the fucking ball no right. more now. Right. Like, and but the funny thing is that, like, depending <laughs> on the dynamic of your locker room, like, you know, I I, I missed this era because I was Kobe Powell, but Kobe Shaq was, you know, Shaq had certain reporters on mm-hmm. the team that that were Shaq guys, and Kobe had Kobe guys, and Shaq would say something in the paper that the Shaq guy writes about it, <laughs> and then the Kobe guy would read it, he'd go to Kobe, and Kobe would say something, and then it would be the Kobe guy to have it in his paper, and that's what it was like for years, and and it worked, and guess what, because it brought more attention to the game at the end of the day, right? And guess what, more attention means more viewers, more viewers means bigger television contracts, bigger television contracts mean more money in the play. <laughs> but the that, 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 that era of the NBA and the Lakers was just such a soap opera. Jeff Perlman wrote that yes, book, and yes. it was like, that's such a soap opera. As working in the media, like, you have a field day with that because it's like every day. But, that, is, but that's still today. Like, and, you know, it, it still works. The media, you can use the media to your advantage, yeah. too. Like, the, it's the power of the pen. I think guys Either are it can be against now, you or it can be with you. But like, I think guys are more, they're less reckless. Like, they back then, it was just, like I said, it was different. Well, you know, I know everyone's more prepared at a younger age. S- some are, some are, and then some they have the outlet to just do it themselves mm-hmm. on Twitter or, mm-hmm. or Instagram or their own platform. They can change. They can. We you, now they have the power to change a narrative. Right. Like if it's written bad about them, they can kind of clean it up. You know, do a little damage because once it was in the paper, it was in the paper. Yeah. And that's what I realized, and that's why I never really. That's why I always took the same approach that you know, like. I'm not gonna beat against the pen. You, yeah. you can't beat the pen. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't beat the you can't beat the pen back, especially back then. Right. You know that's why like I'll do this and then the blog. So like if something was written bad about me, the blog kind of changes because like well no his personality this is his personality every week. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just had a bad day. All right, let's take a break and let's talk about our good friends at Manscaped. 
If you're looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than our sponsors at Manscaped. They have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, and you know the No Chill Podcast is worldwide. They've just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. So this holiday, you know, it's the time of year you want to get close to the ones you love. And when you do, you want it to be a good experience. And it starts with grooming. Guys, pay attention. It's all in the details. And then, of course, the ladies are going to love it. It's the feedback. The best kind of feedback is from a, a female. A few of their products that are prime stocking stuffers this season to help you get groomed high and tight. It's the Crop Preserver, the Ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself, so smell right. The Crop Reviver, it's Ball Toner, a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extract. So it's all about comfort down below. Crop Cleanser, body wash. It's a full body wash that I can use on your hair, of course, up top. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes, you never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared and stay fresh. The Foot Duster, this is a good one. Foot Deodorant designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh. Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit. Again, devil's in the details. The Weed Walker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which provides proprietary skin-safe technology to get rid of nose hairs that accumulate at the worst possible time. And let's not forget the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body, the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer. It offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. The ultimate oof. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know their products are legit. And now you get 20% off plus free shipping just in time for the holidays at manscaped.com with the code NOCHILL. Whether it's for your partner, your dad, your brother, your friend, get them something they will actually use, and it's almost sure to get a laugh. So again, you get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code NOCHILL. Be the ballsiest gift giver this season with Manscaped. All right, let's also talk about our friends at Literati. These days, it seems our lives are filled with stories that are a little disheartening. Now more than ever, we need stories that motivate us, that inspire us, stories from unique perspectives that lift us up and dare us to connect with diverse people who think differently. That's why we all need Literati. If there's one thing we're all craving after this topsy-turvy year, it's an uplifting holiday season, please. We want the celebrations, we want the community, we want the conversations that will give us hope and inspiration going into 2021. That's why we all need Literati. Literati is a subscription book club that sends a beautiful book to your door each month, handpicked by world-renowned authors and leaders. Literati has book clubs curated by fascinating luminaries like Malala, Steph Curry, Richard Branson, and Susan Orlean. With over a million new books released every year, finding impactful stories can be daunting. Literati takes care of that. Every month, you get one paperback or hardcover book that's specific to your luminaries club, like Malala's Club Fearless or Steph Curry's Club Underrated. These are life-changing books personally picked by awe-inspiring people. There's also a personal foreword from your luminary each month 
You'll be able to read and use Literati's app to discuss what you read with your luminary. Yes, really, that person that you connect with, we're going to say you probably like Steph, like we do, as well as other readers. So you know if Steph's on board, it's true. It's a good message. And again, it's going to be something that's positive and, and put you in the right place. Literati's app also gives you exclusive access to discussions led by book club luminaries like Malala and Steph, also Richard Branson and Susan Orlean, and others. That's just insight or access you won't get anywhere else. Also, gift subscriptions are a great option, and they're available for one, three, six, or 12 months of books. It's a great gift to keep the holiday magic going throughout the entire year of 2021. Whether you're getting a gift for a friend, a family member, or yourself, it's a great idea and a great call for next year. Get the books that the world's most fascinating minds are reading every month, and you can cancel anytime. So go to literati.com slash no chill to get $50 off your annual membership to find your perfect book club and sign up today. Remember, no one else has book clubs like these. Only literati.com with the slash no chill is where you can get one book every month curated by today's leading authors and visionaries. That's literati.com slash no chill to save $50 off your membership and make your holidays unforgettable this year. Let's take a break and talk about our friends at Newcom. You can't talk about performance without addressing recovery. After a workout or competition, you might ice, you might stretch, you might focus on your nutrition. But one thing you definitely should focus on and add to your routine, it's to help make a noticeable difference and it's Newcom. Through this quarantine, we've got our workouts ranging at all times of day. I've gotten used to morning workouts to get things started. And after, you know, you want to start your day out right, but you want to set things up post-workout. And the key to it, I've discovered, is Newcom. After a workout, Newcom quickly takes you out of your catabolic breakdown mode and shifts you into a healthy build-up mode so you can heal and recover as quickly as possible, spending your day the right way without worrying about recovery but feeling good and ready for action. Newcom is the only system of its kind clinically proven in over 1 million sessions to improve your sleep, reduce your stress, and boost your recovery without drugs and side effects. The Newcom system uses cutting-edge neuroscience and consists of three non-invasive, non-pharmaceutical items, all of which are included in your monthly subscription that costs less than a daily cup of coffee. The whole process is easy to use and to work into your daily routine to achieve better sleep, reduction in stress, and boost recovery. Also, get out there and perform. Do what I did. Own the day with Newcom. We have a special link set up specifically for fans of the No Chill podcast. Go to nochillnewcom.com and get 50% off your 30-day subscription of Newcom and their money-back guarantee. That's nochillnewcom.com, N-U-C-A-L-M.com, N-U-C-A-L-M.com. Well, there you go. So that era, 2006, about social media starts to take off, right? right? So, um, you know, Twitter is coming on the scene this before we get to Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But the idea of player's point of view, that content took off. Um, This was probably around like 09, I would say. Um, And that's exactly when it changed. Because now media shifted because we're like, 
oh, actually, these guys are just putting out selfie videos and they're saying whatever they want. Yeah. And so that's what we wanted because we feel like this is unfiltered. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. And this is like, now we look at you that way, which is a great thing when it's accurate. And then other times you're, you know, maybe I didn't mean to tweet that or say that. Sure. And I think at the end of the day, like we're all, com- any realm of entertainment is competing for eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if you have a NBA star as the focus of the content, if it is just someone for instance, and this is, we're both friendly with him, Baron Davis back in the day on the heels of your blog was involved with Yard Barker, which was one mm-hmm. of the first companies that was really taking athletes' voices and so forth. And Baron would kind of pre-Twitter would do like, the almost like tweets as blog posts. Mm-hmm. Quick, easy. And it was good because it was right from Baron, but, you know, it would be maybe not the correct spelling or mm-hmm. not, you know, uh, punctuation and grammar and stuff like that. And like, yeah, it was straight from him and I commend that, but it didn't quite get the full audience because it wasn't packaged in a way that could bring in the most amount of people. And, you know, you saw like back in the day, like Steph Marbury was doing live streams and stuff and getting emotional. It opened up a certain window into his life, but you know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't like produced. And I think ultimately, yes, people like the voyeurism of it, but I think they also like, you know, telling a story or having a, a you know, a cogent beginning, middle and end. And, and I think we were able to do that on the blog. Yeah, I think that's why, like, even with social media being as big as it is, reporting is still as big as it is. You, you can't cancel it out because... Right. The athletes didn't go to school for journalism. <laughs> no matter, the, even, even your, the brightest, you still can't put it together like they can. So you're going you're gonna to do your job like outside. It's not going to be like, the social media game is not going to be on your sports life. Yep. So you need them also. Yeah, you're going to be fashionable here, but this still controls the destiny of your play. What people think about you as a hooper, right. you know. So, and that's what that that's why it still works. Yep. Because yeah, you can you can get it straight from me, but straight from me has nothing to do with my basketball game. Yeah, I can laugh that I dunked on you, <laughs> but the storytelling is right. coming sure. from from here. Yeah, and like you know, th- there are some players that, that do a great job with the platform these days, and and it, it's that's advanced so much more, but they're not necessarily going to do, you know, I have a, access to an amazing group at ESPN called ESPN Stats and Info. And I can literally think of any thought I have about like watching a game and a guy drives baseline and scores like three possessions in a row. And I can like literally ask something like, when's the last time that's happened? You know, mm-hmm. and they can get context to the story I can add. Or, you know, on your Twitter, you're not gonna necessarily go interview couple guys who are your teammates and a couple former players and uh, uh, you know to get other perspectives there and that's I think with people who, who do you know what I do the best people I look up to got someone like Lee Jenkins who did it for years now works in the Clippers front office or Zach Lowe for ESPN like they are trying to give a 360 view use their connections use their relationships use uh, the resources to really to give the fans like something they can dive into. And I, I like athlete social. I, I follow 2,300 people on Instagram. It's mostly players, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because I, 
I enjoy the basketball life, but um, I think yeah, the bo- they kind of both count on one another. Yeah, because, like even even the athlete, it's you don't get, like. And I tell people, I said, if you follow a basketball player on social media, you don't know who he really is. You don't do, you don't know nothing about him. You don't know what he likes to eat, this, that, how much he trains, because he's not gonna give it to you. Yeah. That because that is not his job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's well, the media's he's job. He's giving you what he wants you to see. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we want to see the real You gotta remember, person. like, okay, so like Dame. I remember when Dame and he made it, he made a goofy of it, right? Dame is showing you everything but his 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 basketball world. Um, you know, you know, bars, rapping, this and yeah. this. And the media is showing, and then everyone's posting all these highlights of themselves. And like, yo, when you're gonna get in to the lab. And then he makes a spoof of, oh, y'all want me to, y'all want me to show you oh, this, yeah, to show you. And he's I've making fun that. of everybody, yeah. but that's the truth. Right. You don't see Kawhi Leonard posting that he's been to the gym six times today. He shot 3,000 shots. His hand is bleeding. Right. You don't see that because they're not going to give it to you right. because that's not their job. That's the media's job to right. realize, oh, he's been in here six hours and you make him look good. He's not going to be like, yo, yeah, I've been in there six hours a day, right. you know. They should be ranking me number one play. Like, no, that's not my job. That's- but, like, so then it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the media's job to find out something like that that's interesting. Like, oh, that's interesting that, that Kawhi does that that much. Or back when you were playing, it's interesting that the Gilbert would regularly go to the arena at all mm-hmm. odd hours to get up shots. How can I tell that story? Well, it's, the story isn't that, you know, there's just a video over <laughs> in the same spot. First of all, this is something that bothers me. Anyone on social media that's impressed by an NBA player in the same spot, <laughs> catching and shooting and making a three, 30 in a row, that's the easiest fucking thing in the world. Like, <laughs> I, like, can we just not be impressed by that anymore? It's not a hard thing to do. They just, that well, you gotta remember, they... you've been around, so you've seen <laughs> right. it. They're get, this is the first time they're getting this stuff. So they're like, right. why? He's, he's showing us this. You gotta remember, that's, but, because the two worlds never right. collided, they, they, they didn't, you know, you guys are, you got to remember, media for the most part, they're interviewing before game, yeah, yeah. they're media after game, right. and then whatever was shown on TV. So they don't see practice. Mm-hmm. They don't see the guys coming back after. Right. Then, you know, when I tell stories about Kobe's work, no one's ever seen them. Yeah. No one's never seen these things. No right. one, so. It, but so it, to tell your story about shooting, just to go back to that, I think it was a, a young guy named Garrett. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. Garrett. Yeah. Garrett was in college, right, in the DC. No, no, area. he was in high school. In high school. He was in high school. High school. Yeah, that's right. He went to Villanova. Yeah. Uh, high school in the DC area, and somehow you uh, maybe put something out to like you need a rebounder. Or something yeah, it was like that. something, and I was looking for a rebound because right. back then, like you know, I tell me, we didn't have, we didn't, we didn't have trainers. Right. Like you know the they're like like when people say trainers, when I say trainers, I don't mean like Gergerich, like those guys. We're not talking about right. those guys right. in the summer working right, right, with. Right, that. Right. I'm talking about your everyday, you know, trainer who's training you on skill development right. on your team. We yep. didn't have that then. Yep. You know, we we had the players coach. I mean, <laughs> that's not the players coach. We had the, that's what the, they, they were, we called them. Pl- the, 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 oh, yeah. The, you know, the Harvey Grants. You know, like right. he's a, he's a, he's a, a old player who's kind of on a coaching staff yeah, more yeah. than a player staff. So right. he's not training us. He's right. not working with us. So, you know, the kid Garrett, I need a rebounder. Yeah. I, I can do, look, I can, I'm going to get my own shots up, but you know, with 
the speed I'm doing, I can only do about 300. With you rebounding for me, I can get about five to a thousand. So he came in, I mean, he'd, he'd take the train or his mom drop him off. And that was my rebound, like a, a, a high school kid. Yeah, and like, I mean, you probably hooked him up with tickets or like gear and stuff like that. But think about that, you're, you're a high school kid. Mm -hmm. You love hoops. And like one of the best players in the world is just asking to come like <laughs> inside his world to be there. And like that to me was, was the way, the entry into not only does Gilbert have this work ethic, but like what are the, what's it like seeing that work ethic through the eyes of someone like Gary? That's the story. So, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, and I remember um, like even like like even with like him, and then I remember when he was uh, he's like, yo, I'm going to Villanova. Yeah. Do you know do you know anybody? Right. And I was like, I have I know no one at Villanova, but you know I know enough people that probably know someone. So well, actually, we, I mean, he reached out to me too because oh. I, I was a manager at Syracuse. He ended up working for the Villanova. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. called the coach. Right. Hey, send right. a letter. Hey, this guy right. rebounded me for three years. Like, can right. you can you know he wants to. He's like two o'clock. If your athletes want to come in two, yeah. three, he'll do whatever. Drop it. Right. He ended up being. And then I remember like kids like like heard about that, and it was like I remember uh, Indiana. Yeah, it was Indiana Chicago. A kid, he he, big old box, right? I'm thinking it's a present. Yeah. Autographs. It was probably three thousand. Like like cards. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he was like, I like, I use it. I sell it. He said I sell it, um, so I can put my way through college. And I was like, when do you need it by? Yeah. He was like. I mean, you're gonna like, you got here and in Chicago, so I'm gonna show it to both. I was like, give them, just give it to me and I'll meet you in Chicago. Right. You know, and I'm sitting here signing, <laughs> watching films, signing. <laughs> right, right. And then we got to Chicago, here you go. Right. Like, you know, and I, and I tell people like, yo, like, you don't wanna sign, why again? Oh, they're gonna sell it. The hell you care for? Right. What, 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 why, why does that matter to you? Like, sure. that, that doesn't matter to you. Right. Like, oh, you sign him autograph. I mean, he's selling it, and a fan is buying it who didn't get it signed. That's Why right. does it matter? That's it right. ends up in a fan's hand who actually likes you, so That's it really right. doesn't. Percentage of it. That's right. But no, they just the the concept of the thought. They don't. They don't actually. You're looking you at the full. I look at the full picture. Yeah. They're looking at. Right. I see this guy every week. Like, what are you doing with my autographs? Who cares? He gets it from you. Right. He sells it. The person who buys it is actually a fan of yours. Right. A and, fan and of, of course, yours. Like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> and this kid, obviously, it sounded like he was cool about it. And, you know, obviously, there are people that, that don't make that a positive experience. So I can see why. Yeah, but you know, you know what I mean? But, but if take everything at, at its face, you know? And so I think that, that, that was the cool part to me because, like, you know, the NBA was like my dream world. So I'm starting to understand how everything fit together. And then to have a willing participant like Gilbert to, like, pull back the curtain and, like, Here's what it's really like, <laughs> yeah. you know? Here's what it's really like. But you, you have to understand too that how that's how that dream world works, yeah. where you want a willing participant because yeah. you got to get something out of it too. Not right. that you're looking for a trade-off, but like if I'm going to work with somebody, I'm going to work with him because he is not going to be up my ass. He's not going to press me. He's going to respect me. I think I think what 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 is missed sometimes is We think we're above everyone else. In a sense, we're only here because of everyone else. Mm -hmm. So you have to respect the, the, the chain of command, you know, and, 
you know, I used to see people turn down autographs. And I said, you know, the funny part about you turn down autograph is when it happened to you, how did you actually feel? Like you were hurt mm-hmm. to, to, to grow up to do the same thing. Like, no, like I said, one day that, that kid you said no to, that might be your boss. <laughs> and you might be on your last leg looking for a handout, <laughs> right. a job or something. And he's going to, the last thing he's going to remember is you told him, I'm busy, I'm with my family. Yep. You're with your family all the time. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you know, you got to be respectful because you don't know who everyone is and what they're going to turn up to be. Yep. So be nice to everyone. Hey, take, someone wants you to say happy birthday, happy birthday. Like, <laughs> like, they're going to remember that for the rest yeah, of life. Right. You're not. Right. You know, and it's like you you would rather have the, the better experience than the worst experience because you might go in for an interview and they're going to like, yeah, yeah, I met you one. Yeah, yeah, I tried to, it's back in 1976 at 3 p.m. I tried to get an autograph from you and you told me, you don't want that conversation. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the point is to understand how the whole machine works. Mm-hmm. And, and I think young guys, they're probably more equipped than in, they were back then now. No. You don't yeah, think I mean, so? They're covered think? way younger, way earlier. We know nah, we've talked to guys yeah, about that I, too. I, I don't think, like, I wouldn't say a blanket statement. I, I think there are, and this really turned for me, I think this was the 2010 Lakers team that, that won against Boston. I, I think it was like eight out of 14 guys had their own publicist. <laughs> and I was like, more than half of this team has their own publicist. And so it was around that time where I saw the shift where, you recognize that players see the opportunity of media and not necessarily just an obligation. I think, you know, when I, when I, I have a player like that that I'm covering, usually you can find a common ground because there's mutual interest. Um, I think there are some guys, though, still, that it's, it's just seen as like a waste of my time and I could get back to doing one of many things I could do as a beautiful life as a young <laughs> athletic guy making millions of dollars and why do I need to do this? But again, I think Gilbert's point really resonates. If you treat everyone the right way, like you're living a better life anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, 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 like people should understand this. And we've been in quarantine, right? And you have video gamers and they spend their life playing video games. And we've just watched, during this whole time, athletes, basketball players, competing in the same world. Right. That's how much time they have (laughs) to themselves that they can play Call of Duty, Fortnite, these video games that much that they can actually be considered professionals at it. That's how much time they have. so if you're at dinner and someone wants to take a picture, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, having a quiet time with my, my family. Stop. Right. Just, just take the picture. Then go back to eating. Well, maybe not when you get during home, dinner. I have a problem with that. Not during. When I'm with the man's eating, let him finish. The reason, and this is what someone said to me, because he caught me before I was getting ready to, you know, I looked down and he's like, wait. I'm probably never going to see you again. This is my only chance. I will have waited until you got outside to do it. But, you know, I don't know when you're going to get up. And, you know, so I would just rather before your food come, Mm -hmm. we can take the picture and I can go on my way. And I had to think about what he was saying, like, never going to be here again. Food's not 
You're right. What, what am I? Yeah, You're right. right. Hey, you know, and it was one of those things. It's like, listen, you like if I seen Holly Berry, you know, you know, working out. I don't give how tired she looks. This is, I'm seeing her for the first time. Like I, I'm never gonna get that chance again. I'm not gonna wait. Like yeah, let me just wait till she takes four. But no, hey Holly, how you doing? Big fan of yours. Hey, can I get a picture? Really want the number, but can I get a picture? And like no, you like you know you got to think about it. For the first when they come up to dinner, they just spotted you. So when they watch on TV, they this and this. They got you on the wall. So it's one of those things you have to understand now. You know, and I don't think, you know, as athletes, we don't really understand that part of it that, hey, hold on. You know, I, they're at, look, they just left their wife to come over here <laughs> to take this picture. You know, they probably on their honeymoon. He's like, well, fuck you, hold on. Let me, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> Let me get this picture. You know, so it's like, just take the five minutes out and you have the rest of your time to yeah. pretend you're family, man. Well, well, two things. First of all, <laughs> if that's your approach to Holly, that's way too thirsty. <laughs> Uh, second of all, just saying, you know, it's, you, you know, that's who you idolized growing up. I mean, when you finally see them, you're gonna. You just want to be a little smoother. You want to yeah. be a little cooler. You will hope. Yeah, you, you, should. you should. You would hope, but yeah, you will hope until it, it, it until they show up. Mm. <laughs> the other thing, though, this boils down to respect, and and that's what I'm getting at. Especially, you understand that you don't really want to ask them when somebody misses a game winner or has a shitty game, you don't really want to ask them those hard questions. How does it feel? You know, what were you thinking on that possession, whatever. But if you handle it with respect in class and courtesy, you're respected. It's returned. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those things is like, listen, you missed a shot, okay? I have to report on you missing and how the game went. The fans want to know what you was thinking. Like, ah, I don't want to go on, like, yeah, you, like, I know what you're probably going to say. I can pre-write it, but yeah. just in your words, like, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, you fucking missed a shot. Of course, that's going to be the fucking question they ask. You already know that. Right, yeah. You, it's, it's like <laughs> a couple seasons ago, uh, I was covering a Lakers-Jazz game in Utah, and JaVale McGee got dunked on. He's one of your old, old teammates, one of your buddies. And, um, you know, it was that... Bad Lakers season the first year. LeBron was in L.A. and they were already out of the playoff race. So the game didn't really matter. The most notable thing was JaVale getting dunked on. That's what's going to make Sports Center. Mm-hmm. So JaVale, you know, he didn't love to do it, but he's like, hey, if you're out there playing defense the right way, you're going to try to contest the shot. If the guy can jump higher than you did, you're going to get dunked on. And it wasn't that, you know, like, yeah, he was frustrated to talk about it, but not over the top where he thought we were crossing any boundary. And also as reporters, like, listen, like our job is to cover the entire season. There are going to be games where, Mm -hmm. like, something like that is going to be the most notable thing to come out of the game. Like, what are people going to be talking about the next day? Not that the Lakers are now 12 (laughs) games behind in the standings. That JaVale got dunked on by Donovan Mitchell. So, like, I think generally understanding that stuff is is the easiest way on everybody involved. Yeah, I, I think it's also the way that you put it to somebody and if they'd be cool with it that way. So I had to do a sit down with Blake Griffin after the Donald Sterling thing. Okay. It's the first thing you think of. You, so, and also you gotta understand that on the media side, we have a boss yeah, yeah. and they're gonna push you. You gotta ask them about oh, yes. this, right? Yeah. So, so you're like, shit, man, I gotta come in here. I know I don't really wanna do this, but, um, cause we were also talking about Blake the player and his training, his, his progression and all that. And I had to get that in. And it's not that I'm going to come at you. And of course, you're also told no Donald Sterling questions. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So it's the way that you, where's the team going next? Mm-hmm. That's all. We're moving on, new chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think guys see that like, all right, he had, this, he had a tough job to do. He had something on his plate. Right. He handled this the right way. 
It, it all depends on, that's what I said, it, you know, it all depends on when, you know, when is that player, like when, you know, like when I remember when I missed the, about it? What if like when I missed the free throws, when I missed the free throws yeah. and we lost the game, right. there was no big drama code after because I, I know I missed it, I goddamn missed it, and they're gonna ask. Like, yeah. so I can already, it's like, I'm not gonna be like, why y'all asking me about that? <laughs> you didn't ask me when I made the goddamn three to put us in overtime and I was tired. Like, I don't know what I was thinking of then. I just missed it. I'm like, you know, there's just, you, it's, I already know that's coming. I'm, I can prepare no matter what my mindset is. I'm gonna prepare, right. I'm gonna be better next year, and I guarantee you, I won't miss any fucking more. And that's the sign of like, it's, you know, there's a mental toughness that you have to have to be able to succeed in the media or as a player. Um, and I remember there was a game, one of the first years I was doing the blog with you, and I think this may be post-knee injury and you're still trying to get in your groove. It was at the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you, you took the shot that you normally did, the shot to try to win the game. You missed it. Yep. Uh, and I think Jason Kidd grabbed you and ta- gave you some advice about your knee afterwards. And usually we wouldn't talk for the blog after the game. I mean, I, I think I saw you at the arena, but then you called me later because, first of all, you like kind of winked at me on press row, like, yo, I'm about to shoot this game with a shot. And he missed it. And I, I was like, what are you doing? Like, why, if I wasn't here, are you going to shoot that? Like, you just trying to impress, impress me. So, but then I was like, I was like, man, like, don't, aren't you like crushed? You're like, I mean, I did what I do. I, I got a shot I wanted to take. Like, that, that was, you know, a shot I can make in my rhythm, and I missed it. And so I'll move on to the next game. Yeah, I by mean, the way, if you weren't there, he was still going to shoot. <laughs> yeah, most yeah, likely. Yeah, yeah, but that's what, that was, you know. But, but you had to reckon at some point in your career, probably missing that shot, like, it's going to mess with your head. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can't think that way. But it, it's, that's you can't what succeed if you think that way. Like, I remember, I remember this is, this is a, um, when, you know, I realized, okay, this is bounce back and is, is, part of what you that's what yeah, makes you right where we're going down to um we're playing in um portland mm-hmm. and this is after the article oh, I said, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. so the the crowd is prepared the crowd is prepared they're doing a the count right. i got kids and they're doing a the countdown because nate mcmillian's on on the coaching so he's the head coach yeah, for portland, yeah. and he was the assistant coach on usa so that was on your your kill bill. Yeah, that was on my kill bill list, <laughs> right? I'm gonna score yeah. fifty again. Right. That wasn't even right. the, the, yeah. the post kill bill. No, kill bill. just that That'd was be pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. That and and kill remember, bill might have been even out at that point. Like, so it wasn't even. Bad. It wasn't even. Was so funny. It wasn't even. No. Yeah, it was kill bill was out. Oh, was okay. Yeah, yeah, because that's where uh, Black <laughs> Mama came. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah. <clears throat> so, so we're in the game, and it's one of those games where, when I did the history of my success against them, even my best game. I only scored 28. <laughs> like, even my yeah, best game, right. like I was killing. I only scored. I don't know what it what was in Portland. I just right. so they're counting down. You got 36 more to go, and it's already like the third quarter. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> right. And then I, I remember the, the the end shot. I have the, the the game winning shot, and it was this this shot I've never taken before. Yeah. It was like a hybrid of a runner versus a layup. It was that. They call it a runner, but you know, it was, I, I didn't do runners, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, I'm trying to get to the basket, I'm pulling up a jump shot. And I did try one of those Steve Nash float t- and I airballed, right? Airball lost. And I remember um, TV skip kills me. Yeah. Oh, oh, it kills, oh, it kills <laughs> me. And, and, I, and I'm sitting there, I was like, 
I don't know what he's killing me for. The next team is getting 50. That's right. <laughs> and that's how I thought. I, yeah, right. Well, I didn't give it to them, but whoever I got to play tomorrow, right. they're going to get the 50 for that one. And it ended up being um, Seattle. And that's why I hit the game winner against Seattle. Yeah, yeah, right. And it was a very. It was also run. kind of like it was kind like a runner, runner, right? Wasn't it? The yeah, it was a runner. Yeah. yeah. So it right. was like what I tried to do that night right. didn't work. Right. Next night, right. Gave them what? Gave them forty something with right. the with the, with the with the game winner. And by the way, <laughs> the game where okay, you, you didn't do out what you set set out to do, but it created a moment. Like Blazers Wizards, they didn't have yeah. any rivalry, yeah. right? Regular season game, no playoff standings <laughs> on the line. The fans are all into it. Yeah. Like, and, and you know, that's that's what we want to like get into sports to give us these moments that you can't get otherwhere, uh, other anywhere else in life, right? And so, you, I think you understood that I, I, because it was coming from a fan. You know, right. if you're right. a fan and you got a chance to live it out, right. you're gonna live it out in the fan right. mindset versus you know a player. Right. You know, and that's what I always try to do. Like, you know, I'm Wear going a wizard's the, robe out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Like we're, stuff, yeah, we're right. in the, like I like the things that like the, it was so funny is like looking back, I got to live out like everything I wish that would have. Like I remember as a fan, and I'm watching uh, Chicago Bulls, and Dennis Rodman throws his jersey, and I'm like, man, if I ever make it to the NBA, that's all I'm, yeah, I'm gonna throw. Right. And I got to do that, yeah. you know. And it's like 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 when people say, yo, what is your legacy? Fan experience, whatever. Yeah. Like like people. People have my jersey in their homes. Like, I have the most jer- worn game worns right, yeah. in people's homes because of that. I gave them my experience. I- like, I got one. So, <laughs> All-Star Game, I guess Vegas, 2007. Nope. You know, Gilbert working for uh, working with Adidas at the time. And so, Adidas is official outfitter of the league. They're making the All-Star jerseys. Gilbert, you know, does something behind the scenes and gets the official All-Star jersey it's agent zero on the back rather than arena zero. And you're going to wear it. And I guess Stu Jackson, right, said you couldn't wear it. And at the end of the night, he's like, yo, you want this? I I still have that. But the crazy thing is that, like, I don't know, less than six, seven years later, the NBA is putting King James on the back, Jesus Shuttlesworth on the back. He was trying to do an exhibition game. And, like, I I do think, and not just because I'm trying to gas you up because, you know, make the blog sound better, too, but you were definitely at the forefront of several things. I mean, I think back to your shoe line where you had all the different colorways planned out for different cities where you were playing. Mm -hmm. And now, like, that's every shoe comes out with storylines behind them in different colorways. The blog, obviously, um, you know, I just mentioned the the jersey, uh, you know, uh, I, I just felt like, there was, even in D.C. sports, think about things that, like, Clinton Portis and Chris Cooley did for the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Clinton making his press conferences, like, almost theater. Yeah, and Cooley, and, Yeah, and Cooley was doing the blogging and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, that was like they were taking a page off of the standard that you'd set um, of what you can do um, if you really just enjoy the just, entire Just enjoy. Like, I remember even with the commercial, that was the funniest, like, back and forth with Adidas because it was it was <laughs> it was the funniest conversation because I just didn't want to be part of the same shoe as Tim Duncan then right so oh, the, the low top shoe too right no no say so, that too right so yeah. Nike came out with this um I don't know. It was, I don't know what line would it, but it was happened. the Air Force One hanger. Yeah, and they had there was an airplane, and then they had Kobe and LeBron in it. With yeah, 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 the, yeah. The rest of the players that didn't mean anything to Nike, and <laughs> they were like, and then you know, Adidas was like, oh my God, you know, they're 
they're they're they're doing the same shoe. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you mean signature shoes is leaving? Yeah, we need to do the brotherhood and we need to do this team thing. Yeah, there's like team five or something. Yeah, five and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, whoa, I didn't work my ass off to be teamed up with a group. <laughs> no, I said, right. first of all, if I'm a kid and I'm a T-Mac fan and I'm a Gilbert Arenas fan and I'm going to the store, yeah. I usually buy both shoes. Right. Now I'm gonna go buy which one ever has the best yeah, colorway. Yeah, right. like, no, you can't put us in the same shoe. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. I vote no. Right. And we're just going back and forth. Yeah. And it was like, uh, I was like, well, I want to do my own commercial. I want to be part of the Brotherhood commercial because it's gonna probably be whack. It's gonna yeah. be we're doing the same thing probably, looking like a team or I don't know what this is over here. And it was like, well, if you want to do your own thing, you, you um, we're gonna give you a budget. Like, yes, Zach. Right? <laughs> Me and Zach, we're over there yeah, like, yeah, oh, right. you know, thinking they're going to say something. It's like, yeah, we're going to give you a $10,000 budget. <laughs> 10 racks. Right. And he was like, so what can we do with 10 racks? Right. And that's where we came up with the online commercials. That's right. Came up with the online spoof, yeah, funny, right. you know, meaningless, meaningless Cooking commercial. Cooking with the lobster. Cooking with the lobster. Right. And that was our shoe. That was, right. And what ended up happening is that became so big because what ended up happening is People can just keep watching it. Right. They didn't have to worry about missing it out of what's the name. Yeah, so yeah. this is getting so many clicks. Right. Next time someone did it, Kobe. Oh, jumping over to Ashton Martin. Yep, You're right. jumping over to Ashton Martin. Right. Yep. And I was like, ah. <laughs> he took it. You know, because once someone who's bigger than you does oh, well, it, he, Nike, Nike, Nike took it. Right. He took right. it. Right. Was that right. Jackass? Oh no, the Jackass one was after. The Jackass, that he, he did the snake, but that was that was his second. Yeah. That was the second yeah. one. Ronnie Torrey off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And everyone was like, "Did he jump over it?" And then that became the thing. Yeah. Did it really happen? Mm -hmm. Like you know, like we we know the Jackass one was fake. Yeah, yeah. But to this day, you can't really get an answer if, if he jumped over or if he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, but it, it still right. looks good. Yeah, but yeah, it's still, yeah. like, we just know him. Like, okay, I don't think right, he... Right. But, he jumped that high, but, I'll right, give him that. But right. we, but some would say he's crazy enough to yeah, have done right. it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was that was what made the, the commercial special, yeah. especially, and then you had Cherryoff who, oh, like, that. that's what sold it. Yeah. You know, so right. it, it was, you know, but they ran with it. And then with the low top. Yeah, low top. You know, he, once he stamped, like, this is the low top, boom, boom, boom. Right. It, to this day, everyone thinks he invented wearing low tops right. and <laughs> to the game. Yeah. And Dave, what you're saying is seeing this over the years, is that where things have going have, have gone and where they were going from being a pioneer, like we said, with yeah. the blog and marketing yourself basically, is you have to put your arms around that mm -hmm. as a player. As sure. a media too, you gotta know things are gonna change. Right. And also, same thing, put your arms around that when things are changing with these guys, not right. like, oh, this is the way we do it. Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. way it's gonna right. be. I think the guys that work like yourself, that they're forward thinking that way, you know? So what have you seen that's changed the most, let's say in the past decade? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the, the number one thing is just, um, just the proliferation of content. And, you know, trying to distinguish yourself while trying to recognize that in order to distinguish yourself, you need better content. And how do you get better content? Well, you get the trust of the people you cover to you know, give you more access. But then how do you do that without having it look like you only get an access because you're gonna give positive coverage? Because you don't wanna do that either. You wanna do, do the truth. So it's, it's this tricky balancing act that you're doing constantly. And guess what you're doing with it uh, at a time where 
teams turn over every year and it's a whole new locker room and you have less and less access and time to actually get to know these guys. Mm-hmm. And so you recognize like, you know, that's what I was saying like earlier, like media people do work hard because you got to look for <laughs> whatever opportunity it may be. Like I remember um, this was years ago. I came out to see you play in a gym, you know, just summertime, get some shots up just because I think you told me like Kenyon Martin was going to be there mm-hmm. and maybe someone else. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it'd be good to catch up with Gilbert, but like I can, <laughs> I can see Kenyon Martin in a, in a different atmosphere than just post-game or pre-game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll remember that and maybe that'll pay off down the line. And it's not like a one-to-one exchange. It's mm-hmm. just like, I'm going to do whatever I can to allow the players that are in the league to recognize that I'm not like a fly-by-night type of guy. I'm going to be here for a while. So like, hey, like if you want honest, fair, truthful coverage, like come work with me. Um, but you got to try to keep finding new angles. Like right now, I haven't, you know, I was in the bubble, but other than the bubble, like, you know, I haven't had a chance to like see these guys face to face. I haven't had a chance to meet the new Lakers mm-hmm. and Dennis Schroeder and Wes Matthews and Marcus Saul and look in the eyes, they welcome to LA. Mm. And so, you know, what do you do? And so you're having to be creative, you know, guess what? Like, Twitter players can put out their stuff. I can also jump in DM of a player, <laughs> you know, and not, not be obnoxious about it or try to be thirsty or anything like that, but like just to be like, you know, hey, here's what I'm about. Put yourself out there a little bit. Uh, you just got to be creative with it because, again, like my, my I work for ESPN. ESPN has many basketball podcasts. Mm-hmm. This is a competing basketball podcast. But I love talking hoops. So, they don't have know. one like this. No, that, that's true. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. But you know what I mean? Like, um, you just got to be, um, you know, ready to do stuff that, that you weren't necessarily trained to do or you didn't even necessarily see it coming. Um, and, you know, there are some shifts that, that will, will stick, um, you know, but there are like some things like, you know, I haven't done a fleet on, int- on, on Twitter. I'm not going to do one unless I like have to because I feel like that's Instagram's thing. So you don't have to do everything. You can still kind of stay true to your core coverage. But um, I think, you know, you, as, a, as a reporter, you got to be willing to like go outside the box of it because I want the players that I cover and the general managers and the agents and the coaches to recognize like I'm a person. I'm not just like a reporter. Did, did you ever like, um, like, like when they was pushing the, the Clipper narrative. Yeah. Did you ever want to just be like, yo, they suck, to be honest. Like, <laughs> as, a, as, a, like as a Laker reporter, yeah. like, you guys, like, we, we beat you by 15. Like, like I, I was like, that'd be, I said, that'd be hilarious <laughs> if, you know, you got this beef and then you got the media beef right. between the Laker reporters. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, of course I have opinions like anybody else, but that's, you have to recognize, like, it's, it's kind of sometimes easier to get attention with an opinion, but it, it, it's, I'm doing my job way better if I get a player that I cover to say that, mm-hmm. you know? Because that's, you know, my opinions, yeah, they're informed. I've been covering the league for a long time. I'm fortunate to do that. But I, I don't, I never, like, mistake it that, like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm serving the game of basketball in my role. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's, that's number one. And then having journalistic ethics and work ethic Number two, I fit in, you know, then somewhere below that. Um, so it's not about me. It's, it's about the stories that, that basketball has afforded me and try to tell them the best way. And so, like, yeah, my opinion of the Clippers, that's interesting. But more interesting is 
what the Lakers players' opinion of the Clippers is, yeah. you know, and try to develop a relationship where I can get that and bring that to the fans without uh, making the players feel like they can't trust me. Is it hard to be, like, unbiased when you're writing something? Like, Yeah, I think we all have biases whether we recognize yeah. them or not. And then we're, I'm a human being. So there's, there's people I like, people I don't like. I, if I don't, I mean, and I'm not, basically, I'm not going to dislike you unless you give me a reason mm-hmm. for it. Like, I, I go into things open and trusting. Not to mention, if you write something about AD, right, and it's, it's harsh, you got to see him again. Of course you do. Yeah, but like, 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 like that's what I said, I always went off of truth. Like, you know, if someone says like, oh, he's having, he's over this, he's horrible, he's doing this and this and this, right. and that was the story, and this is truth, and there's no, it's not yeah. a bias that, okay, I, I didn't give you an interview last yeah, week yeah, and you right. added some extra shit in here. Like, you know, like I, I'm looking for the extra shit. Yeah. Like, um, he's 0 for 12 in the last time. He won't pass the ball. Okay, I, I know that already. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the personal shot? Yeah. Oh, he didn't give it to me? Oh, okay, fine. This is, this is a good article. You know, yeah, sure. fucking playing horrible right now. Yeah. Like, I can deal with that. I can't deal with, you know, like, like the personal. Like, if it's like, like, you know, like, like, yeah, I didn't give you an interview because I was frustrated and I said some shit, but you're not frustrated three weeks later when you wrote this article. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you you did this one on purpose. And, and guess what? Like, so I, if I was a certain type of reporter, I could take that one moment and infuse emotion to whatever I wrote. And it may get more clicks than mm-hmm. my average story would. But then, you know, is it going to affect the next 10 stories I could potentially mm-hmm. write with, with, that, with that player? And so, again, it's not necessarily protecting myself from or protecting the players from, from negative coverage. It's protecting myself from my emotions to have my emotions dictate the coverage versus, like, what it should be. And speaking of coverage and being personal, the bubble. Being yeah. in the bubble was that it was like some kind of NBA Disney World summer camp. <laughs> And have you ever been like? How was that? Was that like the strangest experience you've? Yeah, it, it was. It was so odd. Like you go, and you stay in these little. You know, it was it was a nice Disney resort, but you stay in the little room, and you go out, and they had like a bike rental station. I go to the bike rental station to do laps around the, the property, and outside the bike rental station, there's a bunch of referees playing dominoes every day, and it's like, oh, you you like the guys I see on the court, and like. <laughs> No, your dude's like smoking cigars now and playing dominoes, and I'm having a half-hour conversation with Zach Zarba when all I've really done over 10 years of knowing you is like maybe be on a plane, going to the same mm-hmm. game every once in a while, and have a two-minute conversation. Like, oh, you're you're a fully realized person now. <laughs> and then I get the bike out and I do laps, and I see Rob Palinka doing his daily run, or um, you know the assistant uh, general manager for Miami Heat doing his laps, and it's like, oh yeah, like. Working out sucks when you get older, but you got to do it or you're going to be fat. So yeah. you see that, you know, yeah. <laughs> or you see, you know, certain players who just happen to like shooting the breeze more than other guys. And they'll come to the media. Like the, all the players knew where our little media lounge was. And we had players pop their head in and want to talk about whatever the games were or whatever's going on in politics. Like, and so it, it, it was, it was just cool because the playing field was leveled. It didn't matter what your your salary was in the bubble because mm-hmm. you had the same place to live. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter 
what your ability, you know, if you're the greatest basketball player or the best interviewer or the best ref or the worst player or the worst ref or the worst reporter, you have the same existence. And so I, 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 that was the cool part about it for me. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised that the, the basketball felt real and like it mattered um, because that was my biggest concern. Like, I, the, I love the NBA playoffs. It's my favorite time of the year. If you're a beat writer mm-hmm. and you go to all these games that don't really matter, and yeah, then you yeah, get yeah. to be like, <clears throat> you're like hooked up to adrenaline <laughs> yeah, for two yeah, months yeah. straight. <laughs> and you go to a city and you're not just going in for one game. You're there for like a week or so mm-hmm. and you get to actually enjoy a nice dinner or something like that. And all the games matter. And, and, uh, and it actually felt like it mattered, which was cool. I, I think the NBA, obviously keeping everybody healthy is the number one thing. But beyond that, to be able to create an atmosphere where we have a legitimate champion um, for the year 2020, I think it's a great thing for the league. The only thing that irritated me with the bubble yeah. was social distancing. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, you guys are in a bubble. Yeah. You guys technically are the cleanest human beings on earth. And you're wearing a mask. On the seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're coaching with a mask. Then your assistant coaches don't have a mask. The referees don't have a mask. You're sitting 10 feet. What is going on? Like, is this just like eyeball view for the rest of the world? Because like, and then when you're doing an interview, you got like the stick and this thing. I'm like, did you get to, oh, you're, you're clean, right? So, Come well, over here. Yeah. Get over here. That, Let's do that's this the balance of being a public forward-facing entity and having a socially conscious commissioner who wanted to set a standard, okay. like, like we set an example for people. But listen, there were several like coaches in their 60s who weren't approved to go down to the bubble because of pre-existing conditions, mm-hmm. right? Didn't they also tell us that the bubble is the safest place on earth? So isn't that coach actually safer in the bubble? And that's what, and that, so that's the type of stuff, I, I, yeah, I mean, it hit me too. That was the thing that was irritating me, I'm like, like all these players, like yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to go on a bubble. I'm like, well, technically, the bubble would be the safest place because everyone in there is right. actually clean. But that's why I said I was. It was just that was the only thing I was frustrated around watching TV. Like, here we go with this interview again. Like, <laughs> like you're infected. Like, all right, yeah, you, gotta, yeah, yeah. you got no, the pole. You got the pole. <laughs> there's a lot of awkwardness to it, but at the end of the day, it worked. But like, I guess it was just worked. for the viewers. Yeah. It was optics. Right. Because because of that, what ended up happening is. AAU basketball just opened up. Mm-hmm. You know, sports was like AAU for till to till now. Because of what the NBA was doing, they have not shut down. Yeah. Like boys kind of like slowed down girls basketball since like April. Every weekend. Yeah, right. And I'm like, well, okay, we'll see what happens here. And they just every weekend. Uh, well, outside of optics, I will just add on that like theoretically if the bubble was broken and we know by some of the players that got punished it was broken mm-hmm. theoretically if there was unaccounted for person who was positive with COVID-19 if they were close to someone within six feet that person could have had it and they, okay. they didn't know they had it then so I get why they did it overall but I also totally see the hypocrisy all right well we're going to put you to work here. Dude. Okay. All it's right. that time. Sure. You're going to ask questions. Do your job. Yeah. Do ask, your job. Ask it, <laughs> do your job. Ask Agent Zero. 
And this is familiar territory yeah. for you, but I know uh, you have no, some. Yeah, I, got, I got a couple. I got a couple. All right, so um, we messaged after Kobe passed away. And it's obviously, like, he was so influential on, on your generation of players. But I think something you guys always had in common was, like, it was that maniacal work ethic, but also, like, the true love of the game. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me... One, that, that his passing made you recognize that you want to give more back to basketball. So I want to know about that. But I also want to know, like, do you think there's something that you could still do with the game that would give you that ultimate peace that maybe you didn't get from the game because of the way your knee got hurt and the way your NBA career ended? Yeah, with Kobe, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, I remember it was... <laughs> Like where the beef, it was, it was like a little internal beef. You know, I, like growing up, I had my little fro in high school. Yeah, that's right. I'm Kobe. I remember, you know, like my whole thing was Kobe growing up. Like, you know, he breaks his hand at Venice Beach. The next week I break my hand at Venice Beach. You know, he's working like, you know, so it's like uh, there's this big connection. Yeah. And I remember I'm in Golden State <laughs> and my boy hits me. And it's like, yo, I just seen Kobe at Disneyland. And I told him and I told him, like, yo, well, my, bo- my, my boy's gonna kick your ass when y'all play. And he was like, what's your boy's name? And I told him, I told him, Gilbert Arenas. And he was like, dead in my face, he said, well, if he ever gets off the bench, and kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> and my response, he was like, yo, so you gotta kill him. And my response was like, so he knows who I am? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he knows? Right. Yeah, he knows who I am, because he, obviously he knows I'm on the bench. Right. And, I, and I'm like, and then I remember like, um, go, like hearing that he goes to the gym early, so I started going to the gym early. I used to call Luke, uh, Luke Walden. Yeah. Hey, what time does he get to the gym? I need to get there a little bit earlier. And I started doing that, and then him watching me watch him the whole time. Yeah. Like, and then going in there. So, you know, if... If he's at the gym at three o'clock and then you have this nobody sitting in the gym at three o'clock, right. every single time, he's learning something. Now, is it processing? Well, we play, I scored 13. Next time we play, I scored 31. Next time I'm starting. Then he can see the pieces watching the progression. Right. And the progression comes, I'm still there, yep. learning, watching. I do my training. And he can see, like, he loves this game because he's watching me. He's here. Right. No one else is here. He's here. And I, I'm watching him getting better. Yeah. I'm not watching him work out. He's watching me work out. But I'm watching him. I'm looking at him getting better. Like, now he's in the All-Star game. Now he's an All-NBA player. Now, you know, so I knew at some point he knew that the clash is going to happen. That 60 point was coming yeah. because the numbers kept going up against him. 46, it, right. it was going. Right. So I knew at some point that 60 was gonna come because right. I'm watching, studying, and I'm working just as hard. Yeah. You know, and that's how we built our confidence. Yeah. You know, so being retired and, you know, watching the greatest player in your era that you grew up yep. idolizing. You know, you know, you had your Jordan where that's your parents and you got a little gist of it. Sure, sure. And you know, like when I fell in love with basketball and then it's, you know, Kobe and he's telling you, hey, you should be coaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach, you know, and then 
you know, you, you come to a game and, you know, you see a crowd over there. And you're like, and what team is over there? They say, oh, uh, Kobe's uh, coaching girls basketball. Right. Huh? Uh, all right, go over there. What's up? Oh, that's this, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, week after week, week after week, Kobe's coaching the team. And I'm like, well, if he's coaching the team, what makes me think I'm better than sure. <laughs> than coaching? And I told him, I was like, I, don't, I don't really don't want to deal with these parents. Why would you have to? <laughs> that was his that's, answer. I was like, <laughs> why would you have yeah, to? Right. right? And, and then just the thought process and, 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 you know, so it's like, you know, his passing, I was like, if he thought I was good enough to be a coach, then I need to pursue it. Yeah. You know, I need to, because he's obviously, he's watched me my whole career. Mm-hmm. You know, all-star games, you know, all this, and we sit, talk to each other. Like, like, like I have funny things where I'll sign somewhere, and he's like, like, I'm here, he's here, and I'll sign, and he'll sign over my name. He's like, yeah, you're the only one that writes your real name and real autograph, and you know, I don't want an autograph that just got like KB on it. Like, who the hell is KB? And I, like, he writes full, like, you know, yeah, like, so yeah, he's right. writing, like, yeah. you know, so we did all that. It was, you know, and I got some special things that's hidden uh, that he's approved okay. that no one knows about, and you know. This future podcast reveal there. Like, like it's, uh, yeah. I'm waiting for LeBron. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for LeBron's, you know. And, you know, I had told, I showed LeBron. Like, so the only person who knows is LeBron. Okay. I showed LeBron and he approved cool. the next one. Then I'll have Kobe's and LeBron's. And, you know, but it was one of those things where, you know, like right now, you know, I, I hit LeBron and I said, you know, I don't know if it exists, um, but I would, I would like to intern for the Lakers like intern coaching, like where I give you guys this, the brain and how I see the game and try to add, but I get to learn how to like, like, like run practice, do this, break down film because, you know, coaching, I said, as a player, we coached, we, we, we got to know everything, time, possession, Mm -hmm. what the ref likes, what he doesn't like, who does this, what we got to know that, you know, um, who takes everything personal. So, you know, keep it, quiet with them, um, that's from here. But, you know, watching the game from here is different. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing time of possession and who to sub versus yeah, yeah. us looking over like, yo, get them out of there. You know, that's, you know, you, you have to make subs on, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I want to learn that. And I was like, you know, I said, no pay, it's an internship. Right. And, you know, I want to learn and study. I think I will learn more information if I'm not being paid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can help you guys out with right. the information I know and get these guys on, you know, how to be routined and how to, you know, and heighten their, their play with, you know, with the game. And he's like, well, I'll talk to Palinka. You know, so I have that where, you know, I, I just think that, you know, like interning to, to get all that information. Sure. right. Um, because we have a game that's been given to us in a generation that never questioned any of it. Yeah. And the way my brain worked, I have questions to say, why do you guys do this again? Because it doesn't make sense sure. to the overall picture. Like me, if I'm a coach, there's no morning shoot around because I did the study on it, the morning shoot-around came in in the 50s and 60s because they were alcoholics. Yes. And you needed to wake their asses up. Right. So, 
why are you doing that now? These guys are not alcoholics. Right. And most likely with the attention span of this generation, whatever information you give them at 10, 11 o'clock does not translate they, they to They need five it again pregame, right. You know, so yeah. you just wait yeah. to five o'clock, let them sleep all, whatever they do at five o'clock, give them the information, right. they can turn it on in real time. Right. You know, and, and it's just like little things, like why would you take your best player out at the three minute mark? Why? That's when you're in a penalty. Wouldn't that be when he's most dangerous? Like now you cannot touch yeah, yeah. LeBron James, Anthony Davis when they're like you beat him up the first ten minutes of the game, the first nine minutes you cannot touch him. Why am I gonna put put a cold player in during the penalty when that po- cold player is just trying to warm up? So he's not taking advantage of these last mm-hmm. three minutes. Yeah. So when you need more scoring, this guy just got in and he's still stretching and doing all this, and he's waiting for the second period to start anyway before he takes his first couple of shots. Right. So I said you have this, these gaps of, right, and it's all about the small detail. little advantages, yeah. right? That you can you can pile up enough of them because all the players are talented, all the coaches are smart, they know you know they're talk- but what is that little thing you? can Yeah, do? and that's like that, and that's an I and, and I watch over and over, and I'm like, like. I get to ask the question, why do you sub at three? Yeah. Like who taught, like, because it's just, there's like little things that can add. Yeah, um, because you were like before, I mean, Chris Paul's known for it today, but you know, to get that 40 foot, five foot shot when they're trying to foul on the floor. But you were doing that back. Yeah, because I talked, I tell like my little things, I talked to the ref. Right, right. Hey ref, hey, they got a foul to give. He's going to try to use it here. I'm shooting a three. Right. You know, if I tell the ref and I do it, it's, you know, so I'm getting full court three-point shots, and and then actually it becomes a four-point shot because the, the coach didn't like that, and now he wants to cuss him out. Give him a tack, tack. Now I get four free throws <laughs> for the same thing. And then, like even with Chris Paul, I used to tell Chris Paul that um, you're, the, you're, the, you're, the, you're the easiest to go against. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, frustration, frustration fouls. Uh. I said, you, you get too many frustration fouls. He's like, what is, what is a frustration foul? I said, when someone does something to you and you want to talk to the ref, you waste a foul to talk to the ref. So that was your frustration foul. Now me, knowing you give up the frustration foul, I'm then after that going to go one for flat against you right. and either force you to play defense and try to get another foul or get an easy basket. I said, it's, it's like a combo. Wait till you get your yeah. frustration foul, then one for flat you. Right. And he was like, mm. <laughs> you know, and that's, but you know, that's the mind, that's the, that's how I broke down the game, yeah. watching everyone's tendencies and then picking them apart. Right. I have one more. Go for it. Okay. Uh, give me like the, the three guys in today's league that are up and coming that, that you really like and why. Up and coming? Yeah. Like, so we're not, obviously, we all know Steph and KD and LeBron and AD. Okay. I like Luca. Okay. Um, I think his um, I, his precision, his um, experience, and knowing his advantages versus everyone's disadvantage. His yeah. advantages of he's fundamentally sound. Everyone is over athletic, and they overly use it, mm-hmm. which makes the game easy for him. Yeah. Um, I like Tatum, mm-hmm. very smooth. Um, doesn't get rattled, doesn't get rattled at all. You know, if he has a bad first, you know, first half, he seems to bounce back easily sure. in the second half, so he can go t- 
zero, 28, you know, and, yeah. you know. Um, That's two. Because I know you have like a high standard for the guys that, that, you know, that really speak to you in my opinion. So like, obviously both those guys are looked at as future MVPs. So is there somebody else out there that you give them the stamp like it's someone we should be t- paying attention to? That's in that, 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 that age group, right? That young? Yeah, like the first three, four years of the league. You're forgetting one. I know who you like. Who am I forgetting? Tony Man- Friend. Memphis. Oh, Ja? Ja. Well, I mean, it's one year. Like, I mean, I like what he's done one but year. But he's saying, saying young, But he's saying, like, two, yeah, three, yeah, like, yeah. like that three, four, like somebody well, who's I mean, already... Well, I mean, yeah, Ja, ja will count. Like yeah, the yeah, first you know, Ja, ja yeah. I love yeah. Ja's game. Yeah. Um, very explosive, you know. He has that Westbrookish in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Trey Young. Really, does that make you feel good to, like... To, you, we were talking about this game, right? The game that... The, we all have, right? It's mm-hmm. here to know that, you know, I don't know, who, who can figure out the full formula of what your career meant to where the league is today. But then to see where the league is today, to see some of these guys, it make you feel good about. He, he, I, I look at it like this. As, as forefronts, we all have to look at how the game actually came. Um, so people's like, well, Allen Iverson, I was like, no, Allen Iverson didn't change disposition. I can say I changed his position because mm. Allen Iverson, they were like, whoa, you're a score, go to the two. Right. So he was one of those guys, they pushed, you, no, you go to the two, you, you're not a point guard. Yeah. So I was the guy who was like, well, I'm not a two, I'm a, I'm a point. And I'm gonna stay at the point, yeah. and you're just gonna have to guard me. So I remember someone said, hey, if you was playing in this era, can you can you stop? Um, there was like Westbrook and and uh, Curry, and I was like, hell yeah, I would drag. Them. And then I had to I had to think about before I pushed in. Wait, wait, oh no, <laughs> no 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 no, I never guarded this. I never guarded me. Yeah, I never right. I never guarded the version of me. That's right. I was the that version that everyone was like, wait, hold on, what? No, 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 why is he shooting so much? Yeah. You know, so, you know, we have Baron Davis, and right. Baron Davis was basically Chris Paul. Well, you, you can give us 20 if you want to, right. but other than that, you're trying to sure. get everyone. Right. You had all the tools right. to... Like Darren Williams. Was Darren Williams, like but that's what I said, they were yeah. coming right. in, but right. it was right. still one of those where Darren is trying to 20, 18, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm trying to 40. I'm trying to give right. you 40, like get, get off this court. Yeah. So... I push the envelope, I start the fire where everyone's like, eh. he's not a ball hog, he's, it's, it's just a different, he's like, they, they, what's the funny is they're like, Mulberry's a ball hog, and I'm like, well, he averages eight, nine assists, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, right. so that era was called the ball hog, then my era came, and then it was like, well, let, let's see how this works. Mm-hmm. And then I think Steph, yeah. I think Steph is the one that just broke it open, yeah. because he won. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Won a championship. That's right. You know, you won a championship. Right. Now, once you won a championship, the rules of what these these blocks that everyone had on the position of a scoring guard yeah. is no longer is no long. It's open now. You know, so I think Steph, like I opened the doors up for the Steph, the Dames, the Westbrooks to look at the game from that point guard position. Like, well, we can score. Yeah. He's doing it. And then once you have a champion out of it. 
it opens up the it opens up a whole nother generation of this. Um, you know, so the Lonzo the the the, the Lonzo balls are he's technically a dinosaur in this new age. Right, right, sure. You know, like he's a he's a he's a giver in an age where everyone wants weapons. Right. Every I need everyone to be in attack mode. Right. And he's in that Jason Kidd era of them in like I'm here to get everyone the ball yeah. and you become that's a that's a backup. Yeah. I, you know, if I want someone to come in, the, the, the Calderon, come in, control the tempo, you know, make sure everyone gets the ball, right. don't... And then there's a place for those players. Yeah, Rondo you know... Rondo just won a championship with the Lakers playing yeah. that type but, of way. But, but was he playing that type of way? Because, I mean, you know, he, he realizes, like, well, what do I need to do all that right, for if the, we have LeBron? True, I can just true, score. True, right. So right. I'm I mean, just going yeah, to go out there and get these buckets. Right. You know, there's really, you right. know, there's really no space for me to be. Right. So even he evolved. Yeah. Right. right. You know, but he was smart enough to understand yeah. that. Right. You know, he was smart enough to understand that, okay, when I'm on a court with LeBron, I don't need to do this. Right. I can just be in attack mode, let him look at everyone else. Yep. And then when he's not on the court, then I can go back to yep. being who I am. Right. Get a ring. Yeah. Get a ring. Yeah. And, and I remember I did a study on pure point guards, which was Rondo's. Um, they averaged 4.3 assists a game in regular season. Okay. The winning point guard on championship teams. Oh, interesting. And because it realized, it started like, if the point guard is making everyone better, that means they're not that fucking good. You know what I mean? Like, because if I got to get you the ball and make right, you look right, right. good, then you can't do it on your own, meaning you're not that good. You know, so it's like the better your point guard looks as a point guard. You, the rest of the guys he's with probably aren't as talented. Yeah. yeah right. You know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where, like, Rondo is probably, it's Rondo, Steve, no, it's Rondo, Jason Kidd as pure points. And then you have Jason Williams. Yep. And... Uh, I always want to say the, the Amaral. <laughs> Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, those are the only pure, right. like the right. pure, pure points right. that's won championships in right. the last. Fisher. Again, what, was Fisher a pure point guard? No. He was basically a shooting guard. Yes, he's a shooting yeah, guard. Right. But that's what I'm saying. When, when you say pure point guard, that means that's what their job is to actually right. bring the know. ball up and facilitate. No, but that wasn't Fisher's job. That wasn't Chalmers' job. That wasn't right. Tony Parker's right. job. That wasn't, right. you know, Kyrie's job. Hmm. You know, so, you know, same thing with um, even Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups would average five assists a year he won. Yeah. You know, he just... Big shot, Chauncey. He just managed his team. They were all good, and you know. So I, you know, when you when you talk about those guys who really, you know, those John Stockness, nah. Yeah. Because the the better the talent gets, the less this guy can do that job. I remember when Steve Nash came here, and I think Eddie Jordan was coaching. Um, That's right, assistant Eddie, coach. Yeah. yeah. And I told him, I said, "Oh, y'all not gonna win this year," and he says, "Oh yeah, your theory, yeah." Your <laughs> theory. <laughs> <laughs> He's like your theory, and I was like, "Yeah." Dude. Steve Nash can't be Steve Nash if you got Kobe on the team. That's you got right. Kobe, um, you got Paul Gasol and Dwight. How is he going to be running pick and roll and everyone sits in the corners? Yeah. No, someone's going to have to go. You're better off with um, eh, Steve Blake in the corner. You know, at least he knows that's what he does. Yeah. And they didn't win. <laughs> 
I mean, Steve also broke his knee the but, second game. But, but Steve, I, I, but Steve Blake taken. looked great, though. Point taken. Point yeah. taken. <laughs> All right. Um, I didn't want to do this to you, but yeah. to get out on this, we're going to ask a tough question. Okay. All right. And I'll give you this caveat. Maybe they're not, it's not ego or they're not difficult, but who's the hardest interview? Maybe because they're more prepared or you got to come that is- don't do that. Don't do it. That's a setup. That's a setup. Because if he says it and then the guy gets all picked, you got to remember. I'm saying it's prima donna. In a good way, they're, they're tough interviews prima because like, this guy knows some shit. That's what I'm Old saying. players that you don't have to deal with anymore. <laughs> that's the easy one. Older players that you don't have to deal with anymore. Who was the toughest? So I, I have a different way to answer this. So, like, I, I think someone like Kobe, there were days where. You know, he would, he could see where my thought train was going and he would try to get yeah. me off the, the track, you know? But then we would end up going back and forth. But here's the thing, like you, you said that the pen's mighty, right? You don't want to fight with a, a writer. But in the age of social media, like a player can belittle a, a media member in a moment. And you guys can be fine, mm-hmm. but the Twitter world doesn't know that. Like all these, you know, people that, oh, he just sunned you. No, not really. Like, I'm good. I know I'm good with the guy. Mm-hmm. He may have won that little back and <laughs> forth. Um, but, like, so I've, I've covered several guys like that. Um, I'll say this because he, you know, he's now with Philadelphia, and um, he was a huge part of this last Lakers championship team. First time around in 2012, 2013, I did not like covering Dwight Howard. Just didn't. Off that was a injury. tough time. Off yeah. the back injury. Yeah. I mean, and, and, I mean, yeah, he was going through a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it was, it was just always so difficult and I didn't feel like when he was talking, he was being genuine and I didn't think he even loved basketball that much, but he was going through a lot this time around. And I told him this, we were in Chicago because that season, that one season before he left for Houston, early on in the year, Dwight took the stat sheet and after the game, they lost to the Bulls. It was a good Bulls team. But the Lakers were supposed to be like champions with that team. Mm-hmm. And he was going around the locker room, pointing to his shot total. It was like five or six shots. And like, to me, like, nothing says that you don't quite get it. If you, you, should be care, you should be caring about whatever we can do as a team to win, you know, not like point out my shot totals. And then we were in Chicago this year, and, you know, the Lakers actually had a crazy comeback against the Bulls. And Dwight couldn't have been happier. Gregarious playing music. Um, kind of like keeping to himself a little bit, but he still had his guys on the team. And I told him, like, it, I just want to tell you, like, I, I really have enjoyed covering this here. Like, it's cool that you've come this far. Um, and, it, and maybe I've come this far. I even told him. I said, like, I didn't. You know, this seven years ago. I was still figuring out how to do this job. You were probably figuring out stuff, too. You know, you know the funny part about that? So I'm in Orlando with him. So all of it, L.A. was just, the whole thing was a rude awakening. You got to remember, Orlando, Yeah, he's God. That's right. So there, he's God to Disney. It's Disneyland and, and Dwight. You know, there's no Hollywood. There's yeah. no Kobe. There's no, so what ends up happening is, you know, it's everybody is Team Dwight, the whole state of Florida. So he doesn't have the bad, so he doesn't, you know, the, so there's no sneak questions, there's no around, like mm-hmm. it's just, you know, so he gets just to be who he is, right. you know? And then when you come here 
And then it's like, okay, yeah, it's Kobe. Okay, cool. And I'm, 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 I'm probably behind Kobe. And then it's like, oh, nah, Steve Nash. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? And then uh, the, the coach and then Powell. Then it's like, you, you. And then he's coming off a back injury just after a year where he just kind of found his offensive. That's right. He just, like, I remember in that year in Orlando, he just found his offensive mojo. So to him, he thinks, hey, I'm, 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 a, I'm a good option here. I'm a good option. I just dominated last year, offense, you know. So with that, the back, all this media, he didn't, it was like, you know, it's like that pretty girl, that, 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 that pretty girl who's pretty there, and then when you come here and, and you're a five. <laughs> You know, you're not a 10, you're a 10 over there, you're five. Yeah, right. To him, no 10 LA five. Yeah, so he, you know, so, you know, so all of that was just a shell shock. You got yeah. Kobe talking down on you, you got this person mad at you, you got the crowd booing you, you got a back injury, you're playing only because that your body is still capable of just doing what you're doing, right, right, right. but I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? It's just, it becomes, it becomes one of those where he's fighting against all of it. Right. And, at that point, he's just ready to get out. I remember he's like, yo, why, why here? <laughs> like, I thought this was going to be happy, but yeah. no one likes me. Like, I remember him. And, like, I can hear it. Like, yo, no one likes me here. Like, yeah. why are they booing me? Like, I was like, well, unfortunately, it's either boo you or boo Kobe. <laughs> and I was, he was like, but, but what did I do? I was like, you didn't do, you, you didn't do nothing. One, you shouldn't be playing. Right, right, right. I mean, that's, but, that's, that's, but, well, yeah, but that's you. Yeah, yeah. You're playing because you want to play. Because right. he had a torn labrum that year, too. Yeah, yeah that's what I said. That. Yeah. So he, I mean, he, he deserves credit for that. But it, it, it just wasn't... And here's the thing. Like, and that's what you learn doing my job. Like, you know, I probably should someday recognize... Because actually, I even saw, like, someone showed me what he got removed from his back. I mean, it was like yeah. a mass, like six inches long or something like that. And, you know, I should have one day just like, you know, just had a conversation, check in with them, you know. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, when you're younger, you don't, you just, you're just there to ask a question. And I think it all started with a blog. That's right. Yeah. NBA.com. We didn't lock horns, right? Nah, I mean, no. we were, I was in a different role, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was. But I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't difficult. No, you, no you're, you're not difficult. You, no, yeah, because you didn't have to deal with me after, I mean, during interviews. No. But I don't know. Changed my lifestyle around to your schedule. Yeah, you know, yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. It's but, a different kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Dave, you know, I'm at, I'm at a strip club. Uh, this is in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> my fault. It's his own set of challenges. I said, I said 10, but the strip club's on there. And I'm going to say this it's always worth it in the end. Yeah, for sure. Working with you is always worth it. It's, it's refreshing, man. And you got you to gotta keep doing it because you got, you got a lot more to give to the game. Yeah, I'm trying to, as I said, I'm trying to, you know, talk to Tommy a lot. Just keep on the positive, keep working out, That's and right. let's get ready for the season. That's right. Know? But some, you know, players need, you know, players need to hear that sometimes versus that the outside noise of friends and stuff. Yeah. We all need guidance. Yeah. We all need people in our corner. And That's Dave, right. we're glad that you're in our corner. Yeah, nice fellas. Also, you're probably the first New York Times bestselling author we've ever had on. So, that's the first two. I Appreciate that. And actually, the Return of the King for people that need I'll to make sure check both it of you guys out. Return get, of the King. You guys are both getting both. <laughs> <laughs> check, check the mail. Um, also, people can, we got to follow you this year, covering the Lakers yep. and the NBA, catch you on the Jump, Sports Center, that's, NBA and ESPN. That's right, uh, outside the lines, outside uh, ESPN, the 710, right? Everywhere. Los Angeles. Just anywhere, anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's going to be. I was not really ready for the season to start this quick, but now that we're getting back into it, like 
We got NBA hoops on Christmas Day. What's better? Wait, wait no, Christmas Day? Well, it's 22nd, 22nd. then Christmas Day also. Yeah. Luca ah. versus LeBron. Huh? Luca versus LeBron on Christmas in, Day. In, in Christmas Day, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't like the 22nd matchup. <laughs> Lakers Clippers? It's, it's, it's a dumb, it's dumb, it's because I already know what's yeah. gonna happen. You know, Lakers, I mean, Lakers is going to be trying to get everybody else involved. Clippers is going to win. Media is going to be like, oh, Clippers championship 2021. Like, come Wait, on. They do have Ty Lue on the sidelines now, though. So What? He don't got LeBron, so it doesn't even matter. He's got LeBron. That's cute. Who's on the sidelines uh, over but, there? But Ty knows what he's doing. Yeah. For sure. Dave, <laughs> thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. Right. Good to see you. It all started back in 06, and it comes full circle because there's the only one, Gilbert Arenas. This is No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. Thank you, Dave McManaman, for coming on. Remember, you can catch us every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Fubo Sports Network, and we'll see you next time.